0: The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents Come in Welcome I'm E.G. Marshall Welcome to the Sound of Suspense Welcome to the fear you can hear. But mostly to the world of terrifying imagination. In the next 52 minutes, you'll hear a story about truth. Everyone is in favor of truth, of course. It's a word which produces immediate reverence and respect. But sometimes the truth can be a terrible thing. Even a shattering thing.
1: didn't see
2: her. I didn't didn't see her crossing the road. Is she alive? Oh, look at the way she's lying there. Lona, she must be
1: dead. Lona, you mustn't tell anyone. Please, you mustn't tell anyone.
0: (laughs) Our mystery drama, The Ring of Truth, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Henry Slessor and stars Agnes Moorhead. It is sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, brewers of Budweiser, and by the Kellogg Company, makers of Kellogg's Special K cereal. I'll be back shortly with Act One.
3: Some beer drinkers have funny ideas about beer. They think beer improves with age, like wine. We'll find a brewmaster, though. You'll find a beer drinker who knows better. The Budweiser brewmaster says it all depends on how beer is aged. Just letting beer sit in lagering tanks makes it older, not necessarily better. That even goes for keeping a case around the house for a couple of months. But there is one kind of aging that's good for beer. The Budweiser kind, beechwood aging. In this kind of aging, something happens. It lets all the flavor of the choicest hops and best barley malt that go into Budweiser get through to you. Sure, it takes more time and trouble to brew Budweiser that way, but brewing beer right does make a difference. Anheuser-Busch,
4: St. Louis. We hope you're enjoying our new CBS Mystery Theater. It's another addition to our KIXI programming we're very proud of. We've made quite a few additions in the past year. For instance, we've added 1,000 people to our news team. People like Walter Cronkite, Dan Rather, Wynne Elliott, Douglas Edwards, Mike Wallace. Just six of the more than 1,000 CBS reporters who helped make KIXI Seattle's number one news service. And in the morning, we provide the only 90-minute news service in the area, 7 to 8.30 each morning, Monday through Friday. The complete CBS news team, plus Seattle's best local coverage, and up to the second traffic reports. This is Dean Smith. Join me and Bob Little, Ken Stewart, Clarence McDaniels, Norm Bobrow, Gary Jeanette, plus Chet Huntley, Charles Osgood, and the CBS News team for Seattle's best news coverage. 90 Minutes of News, each day Monday through Friday, 7 to 8.30 a.m. here on KIXI, 91 a.m., 96 FM, where the listeners are.
0: Now here's Act One of the Ring of Truth. The place, a charming college town in New England. The people you're about to meet, young Lorna Kittredge, and the special man in her life, Mark Kramer. His driving speed, a comfortable 30 miles an hour. I'll tell you what I resent most about your father, Lorna.
1: It's the fact that he deliberately keeps forgetting my name.
2: Mark, oh, don't be so silly. Daddy has a genuine problem about names. No, no,
1: I'm sorry, darling. I just can't buy this absent-minded professor stuff. It's too corny.
2: Corny or not, that's exactly what my father is sometimes. Absent-minded. His mind is always up in the stratosphere somewhere. Communing with Socrates or Schopenhauer on the meaning of truth. (laughs) You, You just don't like my father very much.
1: I hardly know your father. Look, I want to get along with him, Lorna. Mm. After all, he's going to be my father-in-law, isn't he?
2: You're almost home. What can I do to put you in a better mood?
1: That's easy, darling. You can promise to tell him tonight.
2: Oh, Tonight? Why not? But I told you that the Pryor's are going to be at dinner tonight. Harold Prize, Daddy's publisher. So?
1: After they leave, you can tell him. Lorna, well, we've been engaged for almost three weeks now. and Nobody knows about it except you
2: and me. Well, isn't that enough? Not for me, it isn't. No, I'm the kind of guy who wants to shout it. Now stops. Yes, I do too. I really do, Mark. I love you so much. All right, darling, and prove it. Tell
1: him tonight, Lorna. Tell him you're going to marry what's his name. <laughs> uh, You're quite right, Harold. What the book needs is a much sexier title. Well, of course, there isn't a word about sex in it, but what's the difference as long as it sells? eh? What's the latest (laughs) book about? Why, truth, of course. Daddy's favorite subject. Should be everyone's favorite subject, in my opinion. You know... If you really want a suggestion for a new title, Professor I think I have one Do you, Daddy,
2: the name is Mark
1: Yes, yes, of course I'm sorry, Mark Well, uh, go on, let's hear your suggestion Why not call it The Ring of Truth? Well, I think that's a very good name But, uh, of course, that's up to Professor Kittredge It's uh, not a bad title, Mark But uh, it does imply a lack of sincerity, doesn't it? The Ring of Truth is only the surface appearance of it what I'm examining in my book is the necessity for stark truth. For truth, I'm afraid. Of course, there's a fairly good argument against stark truth sometimes, isn't there? I mean, there's still a necessity for a white lie now and then. Yeah, you mean in the real estate business forever? No, no, not just in my business, in everyone's. I mean, there are times when tact, courtesy and general goodwill call for a shading of the truth. Uh,
2: uh, may I make a suggestion, everyone? Why don't we have our coffee in the living room? Well, it's a good
1: idea, darling. Uh, I'll give you a hand with the dishes, honey. Besides, I'd like a little conversation with you in the kitchen. <laughs>
2: All right, Mark. I know what you're going to say. Daddy was impossible tonight.
1: Now, your father's a great scholar, man of ideals, the Albert Schweitzer of New England. I'm only a poor schnook of a real estate oh, man, no. but I'm perfectly willing to put up with him for your sake.
2: Put up with him?
1: It'll oh, be easy. A crass, materialistic guy like me marrying into all that saintliness. <laughs> what can I do? I'm crazy about his daughter.
2: You idiot. <laughs> Mark, my hands are wet.
1: Will you tell him tonight?
2: Yes, the minute everyone leaves. He's not going to be happy about it, you know that. He won't be happy
1: about losing you. Well,
2: he knew it had to happen someday.
1: All right, then tell him that day has come. Tell him the truth.
2: I always tell Daddy the truth. Daddy, can I come in?
1: Uh, yes, darling, of course.
2: I didn't want to interrupt your reading.
1: Oh, I can't really read this book. I don't understand the language. Have you seen it, by the way? hmm Still another edition German of the Seven Secrets of Shakespeare. It's
2: lovely. What a beautiful binding.
1: Yes, I'm pleased with it. I suppose an author never loses his affection for the first book he writes. But it's more than just that. This book made you famous. <laughs> In very limited circles, yes. And I hope you've enjoyed the evening and what you friend it too.
2: The only thing Mark didn't like was being called Max.
1: Oh, I'm sorry about that, precious. I hope he wasn't offended. But you have to admit that you
2: do bring home a lot of young men. Daddy, that may have been true once, but Mark Kramer is the only man I've seen for the last six months. That long? And the reason I've seen him so much is that I'm in love with him.
1: Well, that isn't an entirely new phenomenon either, is it?
2: Daddy, Mark asked me to marry him. I said yes. Marriage? You know that word, don't you? It's English, not German. Yes,
1: I know the word, but... Uh, well, it's just that I never supposed you'd want to marry now. I mean, before your doctorate, before you've done all those things we plan to do together.
2: Marriage wouldn't put an end to our plans. As for your lecture tour, but you don't really need me along.
1: I don't know if I'd want to go without you... I'm getting a little old to gallivant around Europe by myself. Well, it's the first time I've heard you complain about being old. Well, for some reason, the last ten seconds, I began to feel old.
2: Of course, Mark and I could go with you to Europe as a sort
1: of honeymoon. Uh, no, Lorna, he's not going to want that, I'm sure. In fact, my guess is that your young man is going to want to see as little of me as he possibly can.
2: No, Daddy, that isn't so. He knows that I won't just abandon you. I couldn't be that heartless.
1: That's the last word I'd use about you, precious. I know your heart only too well. I know what a tender, beating little thing it is. I've always been afraid of the man who would trap it some day.
2: I just wish you knew Mark better. He's not. I'm not saying
1: anything against Mark. I fear this way about any man. I'm like the tired old king of the fairy tale, darling, forced by the condition of kingdom to give the hand of his princess to a commoner. Oh,
2: Daddy, Daddy. Mark, you're just being pig headed. It won't even be six months. And by that time, I'll have my doctorate, and Daddy's lecture tour will be over. Oh, that's
1: great. Yes, just yes, great. Waiter, where's that drink I ordered?
2: Mark, I've never seen you have more than two martinis in my life.
1: Oh, you're wrong, my love. I had one before you got here. The one coming up will be number four.
2: Mark, please, don't be so upset. I'm not breaking our engagement. I'm simply asking for a postponement.
1: How long did he take to talk you into it, Lorna?
2: Well, it was something I decided to do, Mark. All by myself.
1: Because you realized how important it was to get your Ph.D. to make sure Daddy was taken care of on his lecture tour.
2: But it is important to me. You know, you're a
1: lucky girl to have a father like that. Now, you think my old man, good old Charlie Kramer, real estate. I don't think he ever heard of an ethic or an ideal in his life. Probably told a dozen lies a day, old Charlie. I guess that's why it turned out so badly.
2: You're drinking too much. You always do when you're angry. Just another flaw
1: in my character. Hardly noticeable in the general ruin of my personality.
2: Please, Mark, I don't want you to be drunk to drive me home. Don't worry,
1: I won't even have that fourth drink. See what a nice guy I am? I want to make sure you get home to Daddy safe and sound. (laughs)
2: Are you sure you don't want me to drive?
0: No,
1: you just leave the driving to us.
2: It's starting to rain. I think you should turn your wipers on.
1: That isn't rain, precious. Those are tears in front of your eyes. Please, Ma. All right, all right.
2: Do You have to drive so fast. I know there isn't any traffic, but these roads are so dark. That's what the headlights are for.
1: How far these little candles throw their beams so shines a good deed in a naughty world. Hey, you see, your father isn't the only one who can quote you. Ah! Yeah,
2: what? Look out! That woman! Where? Oh! You hit her! Oh, Lord.
1: You I didn't hit... see her. Oh. I didn't see her crossing the road, so help me.
2: Is she dead? Oh, Lord, look at the way she's lying there.
0: She's dead, Lorna. Oh. The woman's
2: dead. Oh no. Whoa. Oh, well, I told you not to drive so fast. <laughs> was so awful and it was my fault my fault that mark drank so much he really doesn't like whiskey very much but when i told him about what we decided about postponing the wedding
1: you mean what you decided darling it was your decision he
2: was driving so recklessly he must have been going 60 miles an hour on that road His speed limit there was only about 30.
1: They haven't arrested him, have they? No. But the police were called, Uh, weren't they?
2: Yes, yes. They know Mark, of course. He's lived here all his life.
1: Didn't they give Mark a sobriety test?
2: No, nobody even suggested it. I mean, Mark didn't seem to be drunk at all. Not after it.
1: Of course, he didn't say he'd been drinking. Didn't mention the speed he was traveling at.
2: Well, they asked him. Mark said he was going 35, and the woman just stepped out in front of him.
1: You see.
2: He had to say it, Daddy. I mean, otherwise it would have been a crime, wouldn't it?
1: I think it's called vehicular homicide.
2: Well, he should go to prison for that, couldn't he?
1: Perhaps. Oh, Daddy. Jonah, what did you say? What? What did you tell them when the police talked to you about the accident?
2: They didn't. They didn't ask me anything. They said there would be an inquest to determine the facts. I suppose I'd have to answer questions then.
1: And what will you say then?
2: Why, I... I I don't know. I mean, I, I have to corroborate Mark's story, of course.
1: Is that what you're going to do?
2: Oh, and if you could have seen his face, Daddy, it was like a child. Like a little boy, afraid to be punished. He said, you stand by me, Lorna, won't you? And so you're going to stand by him.
1: You're going to forget all you ever learned about truth. You're going to lie.
2: But, Daddy, what else can I do?
1: I can't advise you, my darling. All I can do is remind you that you and I have always loved truth as much as we've loved each other. Are you going to change now?
0: And so Lorna finds herself in the corner of a triangle. The man she loves on one side, the father she loves on the other. But the invisible corner of the triangle is that mysterious thing called truth. We'll find out what Lorna Kittrich does when I return shortly with Act Two.
2: And now another tale of the ball and chain. Act two.
0: Special K. Presents present. overweight on an overnight
1: train. Is
2: this seat taken? Please, sit down. Mm-hmm.
1: You have exceptional legs. <laughs> uh, but why is one of them attached to a ball and chain?
2: This ball? chain. It's a
1: symbol. Funny, I would have sworn it was a ball and chain.
2: I mean symbolic. Because carrying around a few extra pounds can be just like lugging around this ball and chain.
1: I see. May I suggest something? Uh Try a bowl of Special K skim milk, orange juice, and coffee. It's the Special K breakfast.
2: Will it make me lose weight? No. You must
1: also exercise and eat smart at every meal. I see. Do you know the Special K breakfast is less than 240 calories, 99% fat-free and delicious? No, but if you
2: Hummic boys. And, oh, and that's another tale of the fallen
1: chain. Your happy ending could
3: begin with the Kellogg special K breakfast. That's
2: Kellogg's special K. Uh, Good night.
5: We wish to thank the many listeners who have called and written K-I-X-I, complimenting us on the new CBS Mystery Theater aired nightly on K-I-X-I at 10.07 p.m. However. We have received many calls requesting the program be aired on KIXI-FM every night instead of Sundays only. One of the reasons cited is the problem many of our listeners have in receiving KIXI clearly over their AM radio because of various signal difficulties. In an effort to eliminate these signal problems, KIXI has applied for an increase in power to 50,000 watts. We need your help. If you can't sufficiently hear us, please write K-I-X-I, 801 Pine Street, Seattle 98101. That's K-I-X-I, 801 Pine Street, Seattle 98101. Thank you.
0: You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Will that familiar saying work in the case of Mark Kramer? It may all depend on the outcome of the next conversation you hear in the home of Professor John Kitteridge and his daughter.
2: Lorna? May uh, come in? Yes, Daddy.
1: Huh. all dressed already?
2: Yes. I know I don't have to leave for the county courthouse for another hour, but I... I was too nervous to just lie in
1: bed. Why don't you come downstairs and have some breakfast with no. me? No, I
2: couldn't. I, I feel too sick.
1: Oh, poor kitty. <laughs> you know, I haven't called you that since you were a little child. Or don't you remember me calling her that?
2: No, not really.
1: You see, before you were born, I wanted to name you Catherine. But your mother objected because she was certain you'd be nicknamed Kitty. Then you'd be mm. Kitty Kitteridge. And she hated the sound of it
2: You've told me the story before
1: I know you're not in the mood for old family anecdotes
2: All I can think about is that inquest this morning
1: I'm so frightened, my skin feels like ice Darling, you won't have to be frightened
2: if you do what I said
1: It's only lying that makes us
2: afraid Please, please don't talk about it I have to lie for Mark, I love him I'm going to marry him
1: do you think the others will lie? The bartender at that restaurant? Or was that... What was the name of that again?
2: Bruno's. Yes. He'll defend Mark. I'm sure he will. They don't like trouble. They had some license problem last year. They won't want to admit that they served Mark so many drinks that he was hardly able to walk. To say nothing of drive. I'm
1: sure. So you're the only one who has to lie.
2: Daddy. The woman is dead. Nothing will bring her back. Lies, truths, nothing. Who does it help if Mark goes to prison?
1: Yes. You're right, precious. There's no profit in truth. None at all.
2: Then you agree with me.
1: No profit, Lona. Only loss, maybe. But that's something you'll have to judge for yourself. You know my feeling about truth. You know what I've always taught you about it.
2: Yes. Dare to be true. Nothing can need a lie. A fault which needs it most grows too thereby.
1: You used to like that poem. Now you're quoting it with contempt. Oh,
2: Daddy. Why can't you understand? Why do you have to be so demanding? Let me forget truth just this once.
1: Your mind... As your own, Lorna.
2: Well, I want to do what's right.
1: And do what you want to do. You're an adult now, independent of me. Lie if you want to. But don't look for my approval. And above all, don't ask for my blessing.
3: Daddy!
6: Now let's have some quiet. The coroner's jury has to hear the testimony if they're going to judge it. Sergeant McKeon, was any investigation made of the skid marks at the scene of the accident with a view to determining the speed of the vehicle?
1: I know sir, there wasn't. The uh, condition of the road and the rain we had that night, well, it was uh,
3: impossible to tell the difference between the skid marks and the tire treads. Uh, That's why no measurement was made.
6: It's uh, been stated that the driver of the vehicle, Mark Kramer, had left the establishment called Bruno's shortly before the accident. Since Bruno's is in the business of serving hard liquor, among other things, did the uh, police give Mr. Kramer a sobriety test? Ah, no, sir,
1: we didn't. You see, sir, we didn't know at the time where Mr. Kramer had been. All we knew was that Mrs. Moga was dead and Mr. Kramer didn't appear like he'd been drinking.
6: All right, Sergeant, you can step down. Thank you. The uh, coroner's office calls Mr. Kramer to the stand, please. (coughs) Mr. Kramer, this inquest isn't a trial. Our duty here is simply to determine the cause of death. But you must give your testimony under oath. Uh, Please raise your hand on the Bible. Yes, sir. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. All right, Mr. Kramer. Just tell us your story of what happened the night of the
1: accident. Well, Miss Kittridge and I left Bruno's about nine that evening, about a half hour before the accident. I'd had one drink, a uh, vodka martini. You can ask Mr. Bruno about that because he served me. Go on. When I reached Route 24, I decided to take the Ridge Road Shortcut to town. I was traveling between 30 and 35 miles an hour, I'd say, and I remember slowing down when the rain started. I had my wipers going when I came over the rise of the hill so my windshield was clear. But I still didn't see Mrs. Moger when she stepped out into the road directly in front of the car. Were your lights on full
6: beam? Yes, sir, they were. Why do you suppose Mrs. Moger didn't
1: see them? I don't really know. What I think is, she was almost across the road when I came over the rise, and and she panicked when she realized that a car was coming. She started back in the wrong direction, and that was when she stepped in front of the car. Is that your entire testimony?
6: Yes, sir, it is. Very well, Mr. Kramer. You can return to your seat. Will Miss Lorna Kittredge take the chair, please? Place your hand on the Bible, Miss Kittredge. Yes. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, to help you God?
2: Yes, I do.
6: Please speak up, Miss Kittridge. I do. Miss Kittridge, you were with Mr. Kramer on the night of the accident. Yes. You went with him to the place called Bruno's.
2: Yes, I did.
6: And did you have a drink that night?
2: Yes, I had a martini.
6: The same as Mr. Kramer? Yes. When Mr. Kramer's car approached Mrs. Moger's driveway... Did you see the lady before the automobile struck her?
2: I'm not sure. I I think I saw her for just a split second. And then the car hit her. It was all terribly unreal.
6: Were you aware of the speed you were traveling at? Miss Kittredge.
2: I'm not sure of the exact speed.
6: Mr. Kramer thinks it was between 30 and 35. Do you agree with that? No. What was that?
2: It couldn't have been that. It was more like 55 or 60.
6: Did you say 60, Miss Kittridge?
2: About that, yes. Lorna, God's sake!
6: I hope you've considered this reply, Miss Kittridge.
2: Yes, I've considered it. We were traveling at least that. I'd been looking at the speedometer only a few minutes before. I was complaining to Mark about his speed, but he wouldn't listen to me. He wasn't in any mood to listen. He was angry, and he was drunk.
6: Please, everybody, quiet now. Mr. Kramer, please take your seat.
2: It's the truth. The truth, I, I can't help myself. He was drinking. He had too many martinis, and he was drunk.
6: Are you telling us he had more than one drink?
2: He had Four. I know he did. And he drove like a madman. No matter how I tried to stop him, he never thought that woman would be on the road at that time of night. He wouldn't listen. I couldn't believe it was really happening. It was like hearing someone else say the words.
1: Please don't cry, Kitty.
2: I I tried not to look at his face. I tried so hard not to see him, but I... I couldn't stop myself.
1: How can you blame yourself for telling the simple truth? How can you think it's
2: wrong? But don't you realize what will happen to him, Danny? He's going to be indicted. He may go to prison.
1: I'm sure Mr. Kramer will hire himself a very smart attorney.
2: Who's that? I have
1: no idea.
2: Oh, I can't see anyone. now. I just
1: can't. Of course. You go to your room and I'll answer it. Uh, Go on, darling. Go lie down. Yes. Oh. Sue, I want to see Lorna. Mark, please listen to me. I know exactly how you're feeling at the moment. Thanks for remembering my name, Professor. That must be the very first time. I'm sure you realize that what Lorna did this morning was extremely difficult and painful for her. That it was an agonizing decision. Only who made it? Lorna's lying down right now. I suggest you try telephoning her later. I'm not leaving until I see her. I, I had hoped we wouldn't get violent about all this, Mark. Frankly, I don't think you're in a good position to commit any other rash actions.
2: Daddy, it's all right.
1: Lona, I thought you were in your room. I'll talk to Mark. Very well. But don't ask me to leave because I won't. You don't have to leave, Professor. I'd like you to know this too. Know what? What the town gossips are saying. Lona, they're saying that we had some kind of fight. A lover's quarrel and that you wanted to get back at
2: me. Oh, you know that's not so.
1: Yes, I know it. But the other explanation makes even less sense. That you just had to tell the truth.
2: Well, it wasn't easy for me. Lies would have been easier. One
1: small lie, Laura. That was all you had to say. You're so
2: afraid of hell that you wouldn't lie for me? I can't expect you to understand.
1: But I do understand. Better than you do, maybe. It was your father's idea. Now, just a moment, Kramer. Well, you remember my last name, too. I think I made more of an impression on you than you were willing to admit. There's no need to be nasty. Lorna, you're so stuck on the truth tell it now he told you what to do in that courtroom professor kittredge's little girl always listens to daddy and she never lies Please, Mark. he insisted that you tell the truth didn't he he gave you a lot of high-flown ethical reasons for telling the truth nothing but the truth every reason but the real one
2: you're wrong i made up my own mind your
1: father knew what would happen it would split us apart and that's what he really wanted Lorna. that's the truth that he didn't mention i think that's quite enough if you don't leave right now. I'm calling the police. Don't bother, Professor. You've done a very good job on Lorna and on me.
2: Oh, oh, Daddy, Daddy! Kitty,
3: you don't. It's going to be all right.
2: How can it be? He hates me now. Mark hates
1: me. Things will change. You wait and see. He'll get himself a smart lawyer, and nothing will happen to him. <laughs>
6: Kramer, having been found guilty of the crime of manslaughter, it is my duty to sentence you to imprisonment for a period of not less than one year, and not
0: more than five. And so the truth has not set Mark Kramer free. It sent him to prison, where he'll have plenty of time to ponder the complexities of ethics, justice and human nature. Or perhaps he'll ponder something else, like revenge. We'll find out when I return shortly with Act Three.
7: I'm High Brown, producer of Radio Mystery Theater, and this is the end of our last week of prize drawings. Just send us your name and address tonight to be eligible for one of 50 prizes, two AM FM stereo phonos, two travel clock radios, and forty-six anthologies of modern suspense. We've been most gratified by the program comments so far. So, if you have a chance to write, we hope you will. And let us know a bit about you. Who you are, what you do, how old you are. But your name and address are enough. To Mystery Theater, Box 50, Radio City Station, New York 10019. That's Box 50, Radio City Station, New York, 10019. Entries must be postmarked no later than tonight, the 26th. Offer good everywhere unless locally prohibited.
5: We wish to thank the many listeners who have called and written KIXI, complimenting us on the new CBS Mystery Theater, aired nightly on KIXI at 10.07 p.m. However, we have received many calls requesting the program be aired on KIXI-FM every night instead of Sundays only. One of the reasons cited is the problem many of our listeners have in receiving KIXI clearly over their AM radio because of various signal difficulties. In an effort to eliminate these signal problems, KIXI has applied for an increase in power to 50,000 watts. We need your help. If you can't sufficiently hear us, please write KIXI, 801 Pine Street, Seattle, 98101. That's K-I-X-I, 801 Pine Street, Seattle, 98101. Thank you.
0: It's now one year later. Sad to say, Mark Kramer is still wearing prison gray. As for Professor Kitteridge, he's had problems, too. A bad case of the gout caused cancellation of his European lecture tour. Even more disappointing, his daughter Lorna lost interest in working on her thesis and abandoned the idea of obtaining her doctorate. In fact, Lorna Kitteridge seems to have lost interest in life itself. Lorna, you awake?
1: I'm up. Darling, it's almost noon. It's not like you to be in bed so late.
2: I just didn't feel like getting up.
1: Did you sleep badly again last night? Last night,
2: the night before. The night before that.
1: Oh, Lorna. If you don't see Dr. Isaacs voluntarily, I may have to drag you to his office.
2: You know there's nothing wrong with me.
1: What's all this paper for? All those little crumpled balls?
2: Can't you guess?
1: Oh, Lorna, no. You haven't been writing Mark again?
2: I keep thinking that I might hit on exactly the right words. The magic formula that would make him answer one letter. Just one letter.
1: You know that's not possible, darling. Face it, the man is filled with bitterness. He blames you for something he did to himself.
2: probably never reads any of the letters I send him. Probably sees my handwriting and tears them up immediately.
1: Would be so much better if you forgot him, Lana. Do
2: you know that I even thought of sending him a disguise letter? Making it look like some important document that he would have to read? Isn't that ridiculous? What's
1: ridiculous is the way you've tortured yourself over that man for so many months.
2: Who's tortured who, Daddy? Which one of us is really guilty? Oh, Kitty, Kitty. Stop calling me that name. My name is Lorna. Can't you remember my name? Darling,
1: you're just not yourself.
2: Is that why you can't remember me? Because I'm somebody else? Well, you you may be right, Daddy. Every morning I look in the mirror and I can't recognize the woman I see.
1: Darling, you're just not giving yourself a chance to forget. You'd start getting out into the world. Start meeting new people
2: you become a hermit. I thought you liked having me here, Daddy. I thought you couldn't live without my company.
1: I honestly believe you need medical attention. If not from Dr. Isaacs, then from somebody else.
2: You mean a psychiatrist, I suppose.
1: No, darling, no. Just someone who can help you get over this distorted guilt that you feel.
2: The only one who can do that is Mark. And he won't see me or write me or anything no no oh, please go away please i'm gonna try to sleep it's the only time i'm happy when i'm asleep
1: all right step right over here creamer
6: Anything you say, guard. Remember, visiting time is limited to 15 minutes. Look, I don't want
1: the 15 minutes of being forced on me. Sit down and behave yourself. Yes, sir. Anything you say, sir. Well, no, Mark. Make it fast, Professor. I've got important matters to take care of back in the shop. I'm making a very special license plate. Mark, I know you resent the fact that I've forced this encounter. It took some doing, believe me. Uh-huh. Why did you go to all the trouble? Because it's a matter of health. Lorna's health. She's finding a way for me, is that it? Well, tell her to stop, Professor. My nights are filled with sweet dreams, and she is in none of them. You tell her that for me. I want you to see her, Mark. Oh, I wouldn't force that issue, Professor. I don't have anything nice to say to your daughter. You misunderstood Lorna. Couldn't expect you to applaud what she didn't court. But if you really thought about the ideals that motivated her... Whose ideals? Yours or hers? Do I have to separate them? Yes. But you can't, Professor. Because she's your monster. You've got her all twisted up between her ethics and her instincts. I suppose you're proud of the result, but it's a fake. There's nothing... There's nothing fake about her principles. She doesn't have principles. All she has is you. Her shining example. She wants you to love and admire her, so she does what you expect. That's why Daddy's little girl always tells the truth. She does tell the truth. Always. And her father? I abominate lies. You won't even lie to yourself. And tell me this. Weren't you happy when Lorne and I broke up? Didn't it save your happy home? I can see that coming here was a mistake. You're a hypocrite, sorry, Professor. This whole thing was your doing, and I'll never let you forget it. Goodbye, Mark. Wait a minute. There's something you should know. What's that? I'm being paroled next week. Tell that to your daughter. Maybe it'll improve her health. Of course I'm pleased, Harold. It's just that I'd much rather see a new book of mine published than a new edition of an old book. Well, you can't argue with success. People never seem to tire of the seven secrets of Shakespeare. I suppose I shouldn't complain. Does buy the groceries. <laughs> just cash the royalty checks and be happy, now, uh, tell me how Lorna's doing. Feeling any better? Oh, still a bit run down, I guess. Well, that's too bad. I, uh, I suppose you know that young man, Kramer, that he's out of prison? For about two months now, I gather. He, uh, hasn't been in touch with Lorna? No, and I don't think he will be. Funny thing is, he's been in touch with us. With you? What's up before? Well, actually, it seems he went to Merritt Bob's first. My first publishers. Yes, talked to everyone who would talk to him. Then he approached members of my own staff. He even tried to get an appointment with me, but I put him off. What do you suppose he wants? He's an embittered young man, you know. Well, I spoke to George Merritt. He didn't know about uh, well, about Lorna and this fellow Kramer. He thought Kramer was an article writer looking for biographical material. George said that he seemed to know an awful lot about you already. Mm, I, uh, I don't much like the idea of someone like that snooping into my life. Why, why do you suppose he's doing it? Hard to say. Rancor, I suppose. Hopes he can find something unpleasant in my past. I'll get
2: it, Lorna.
3: Hello? Professor Kittredge? Yes? Mark
1: Kramer, Professor.
3: Oh. Uh,
1: yes, I, uh, I was just speaking about you the other day with my publisher. I'd like to see you, Professor, this evening, if that's possible. See me? What order? No, just you. If Lorna wants to be there, that's her business. Something tells me she'd rather stay away. Can you give me some idea of why you want to see me?
2: You might say it's a business matter. Who is it, Daddy? What time would be good for you, Professor?
1: Uh, make it, uh, about nine. I'll make it exactly nine.
2: Daddy, you look so strange. Who was that on the phone? It
1: was Mark Kramer, Lola. Mark? He's asked me to see him at nine tonight. I have no idea what he wants to say, but whatever it is... I'm sure it won't be anything pleasant.
2: I'd rather not be here.
1: I didn't think you would. Mark blames me for what happened in court, not you. He refuses to admit that it was your own love of truth.
2: My love of truth? Daddy, you never understood me yourself. How could you explain me to someone else? I didn't love truth. I loved Mark.
0: You did what you had to do,
1: what your conscience told you to do. My conscience?
2: Is that what I was satisfying? That small, little voice inside me. It can be a
1: loud voice, darling. A very compelling voice. But I
2: still hear it. It's still talking to me. And you know what it's saying? You fool. You fool, you fool. Warner. I think I'll go out now, Daddy. Right now.
1: Good evening, Professor. Hello, Mark. Come in. Thank you. Nice of you to see me. I wasn't sure of my reception after the last time. I see you're using a cane these days, Professor. Yes, a touch of gout. Mark, I hope you weren't expecting to see Lorna. She's not here. No, I didn't expect to see her. But, uh, would you care to come to the point of this visit? Yes, Professor. I'll come to the point. I've come to see you about truth. Oh, must we, Mark? Really? I mean, these philosophical discussions are meat and drink to old campus fogies like me, but I'm rather tired of the subject right now. Very tired, of it. Frankly, I'm a little exhausted by it myself. I've just spent two months in search of it, and I didn't even know what I was looking for. You've been digging up things about me, haven't you? I hope you enjoyed you, sir. No, I didn't. You see, I made the mistake of talking to your enemies. The publishers you dropped, the friends you no longer see, the scholars you had disputes with. What did you get out of that? Nothing. Your enemies didn't have the truth about you, Professor. Only your friends did. Like Avery Hayes. Avery Hayes? Oh, I'm glad to see you remember the name. Strange how few people do. Even though you dedicated your fourth or, or was it your fifth book to him? George Merritt knew him, of course. Mr. Merritt called you Avery's benefactor. Said that Hayes was an alcoholic that you took care of for many years. He was my friend. Yes, he, he was a good friend, and you were good to him. That was one chapter of your past that you had every reason to be proud of. wasn't when... Avery's been dead for ten years. What did you want from him? Nothing, Professor. I just thought a man like that deserved a little recognition, if only for his past association with you. So I talked to people who knew him, his old pals, his family... He still has a brother alive, you know, a crotchety old fellow in the terminal ward at the county hospital. His name's Ezra. Perfect name for the old boy. And you know what? He still has the junk Hayes left when he died. That pitiful collection of books and papers. You don't expect me to believe that. My depressed papers. Every never kept anything, not a thing. He was a foolish drunken old. He was also brilliant, wasn't he? Went to the university on a scholarship. You only beat him out for top honors because of his drinking. You're talking about 40 years He ago. was drunk and he was dishonest, too, wasn't he? That wild life of his by selling his scholastic services to anybody who could pay for it. It's them. not different today. Yes. That's what Avery said in his letter. The one he wrote to a woman named Jean. I didn't know who Jean was or why Avery never mailed the letter, but there it was. Avery said he was cleaning up 100 hundred, two hundred $200 a month and would surely be able to pay back all he owed before the end of the semester. And then he mentioned the thesis. The big job he was doing that he expected 300 for that job alone. You know which thesis I mean, Professor? Please go. Get out of here. I've had enough of this lying filth. The Seven Secrets of Shakespeare. Sounds like a mystery story, doesn't it? But it was quite a piece of work. And it became more than just a college thesis. It became a world-famous book. It made your reputation, Professor. You're a liar. A liar. A liar. You know nothing about it. You paid Avery for his work and put your name on it. You might have done as well yourself, but you were young and lazy and you had the money to pay for it. Then you discovered how good it really was and it was too late for both of you to change the course of history. Get out of this house now. No. Get out I'm going, Professor. I just wanted you to hear this little story about truth. And also to tell you that I have Avery Hayes' letter.
2: What did you say?
1: I have his letter, Professor. It tells the whole story. Good night. Mark! told me to go, and I'm going. You filthy animal! No!
2: Get rich! Get you much, I'll kill you! Uh, kill you, you Daddy! animal! Daddy! Kill you! Daddy! Like a wild, Daddy! wild beast! Oh, my God! What have you done? no. Oh no. Daddy! Oh no. Oh, thank heaven you're here. Thank heaven. Look at his head, oh, dear
1: Lord. You saw what happened? What the crazy fool did? He he attacked me. You
2: killed him with your cane.
1: He attacked me, Lorna. You know how much he hated me? I had to
2: defend myself. No, I saw what happened. I saw you strike him from behind. No, Kitty, no. He tried to kill me. That's why I hit him. Oh, Daddy, I saw everything. You killed Mark. You did it deliberately. That's the truth. You always taught me to tell the truth. It's the only important thing. The truth.
0: Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr. said, All I mean by truth is the road I can't help traveling. Well, Professor Kitteridge traveled his road, and despite his good intentions, it turned out to be the road to hell. I'll be back shortly.
2: Young I may be, but still I'm a man. Just turned 18 and I'll do what I can to find me a.
0: About the new Navy. You'll get your chance at success, learn an exciting job, and see the world. Call toll free 800 841 8000. That's 800 841 8000. Or see your Navy recruiter.
2: Be someone special in the new Navy. I know where I'm going from here.
0: If there is a moral to the story you've just heard, It's not that truth is so bad, but Samuel Butler said, truth should not be absolutely lost sight of, but it should not be talked about. And we promise, that's our last word on the subject. Our cast included Agnes Moorhead, Mandel Kramer, Santis Ortega, Ian Martin, and Dan Arco. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.
1: I swear to Sam Hill, Ethan, you deliver... After the twelfth
3: stroke of the hourglass clock's chime... There was no sound... But the beat of the clock... And my own heart...
1: Everything else had stopped dead... My friend's mouth was frozen in the act of speaking... His hand poised over a chessman, As though cast in bronze... Outside, like the old child's game, people had turned to statues. A car backing into a parking space was stopped in its tracks for everyone else in the world. Save only me and that damnable clock. Time was
0: standing still. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time... Pleasant dreams.